You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us, that you and I, causes us to triumph. I'm so excited to have you with us. It is Thursday. Please tag a friend. Let them know that it's Thursday and the How to Win podcast is available now. You can get us on Facebook, on YouTube, and please go to my MikeMoore.org page, Mike Moore Ministries, because we are transitioning over and we got good stuff over there on Mike Moore Ministries. Listen, we've been talking about winning the marriage game. We're on our fifth lesson of an eight-lesson series, so we have covered quite a bit of territory, but you can go to Mike Moore Ministries and you can catch up with us if you haven't been with us. Now, today, you better get ready. It is going to be wonderful. We're going to talk about communication, the lifeblood of marriage communication, the lifeblood of marriage. Communication is what keeps the marriage flowing. Blood flows to every part of our body. Uh, The heart pumps blood to every part of our body. When blood doesn't flow, that part of the body dies, is impaired, is destroyed. And that's the way communication is. It's like the heart pumping life to every part of the relationship. It is the lifeblood. Communication is the lifeblood. Say that. Communication is the lifeblood of the marriage. Now, we've learned in this series, Winning the Marriage Game, that marriage is a team sport. It is a team sport. Now, great teams communicate often. Great teams resolve conflict well. In every area of sports, you'll see communication, whether it's soccer, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, you'll see the players, the teammates, they're communicating. In basketball, they're running up and down the court. They're talking to their teammates, helping each other get in place. I got this, I got this man. You get this. They run in this play and they're talking to each other. In football, they have a huddle and they share the play to one another. This is what we're going to run. And that quarterback is sending out information. Those wide receivers are going out and they're giving signals to each other. In baseball, the catcher is giving a signal to the pitcher and infielders and outfielders. Uh, you sometimes see them hold their glove up a bit, uh, in front of their face because they're talking to one another. See, communication is critical in a team sport, and marriage is a team sport. Now, I have a scriptural text. 
it's powerful. I mean, it's just powerful. It's about eight verses. It's Ephesians chapter four, verses 25, <clears throat> pardon me, verses 25 through 32. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. We're going to give you principles from this text. Now listen to it. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Beginning at verse 25 of the fourth chapter, he says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but let him rather labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you in whom you were sealed be put away from you with all matters part me verse 30 I read that again do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and then verse 31 let all bitterness wrath anger clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then the final verse, verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Powerful text that communicates principles concerning communication and conflict management. Now, in a marriage, and I'm talking about a great marriage, in a great marriage, you're going to have conflict. Conflict is inevitable. When you bring two individuals, two different unique individuals from different backgrounds, different upbringings, with different perspectives, different ideas, different opinions, different experiences, different training, then you're going to have some conflict. Even if you are born again, spirit-filled, and you love each other, conflict is inevitable. Now, I believe that successful marriage is the capacity to navigate through and resolve conflict well. There are four basic kinds of conflict. 
There, there is faults and weaknesses. Faults and weaknesses. Every husband has faults. Every husband has weaknesses. Every wife has faults. Every wife has weaknesses. So when we bring our faults and our weaknesses to the table in this relationship, we're going to have some conflict. The second kind of conflict is unintended emotional injury. You don't intend to hurt your spouse's feelings. You don't intend to injure, and sometimes you do. Sometimes it's unintentional. You say something, and when you think about it, man, I could have said that different. Maybe I shouldn't have said something. <clears throat> I see I hurt my, my partner. And some of it is in, unintentional. Why? Because we are human. We're not perfect. So unintentional, uh, unintended emotional injury. Then the third kind of conflict is preferences. We all have our preferences. One spouse like to eat at home. Other spouse like to eat in restaurants, eat out. One spouse likes to uh, watch television. The other spouse likes to be in a quiet space. One spouse is extroverted, like to have people over, family over, family members over, friends over, like to have parties and gatherings and social gatherings. The other partner is a little reserved like to have more private settings, and navigating these preferences, these preferences, because we all have preferences. And how do we navigate? And how do we resolve the conflict that comes with the preferences? And then the fourth basic kind of conflict is the result of sins and offenses, things that we do wrong. And sometimes in marriages, we do some things wrong. And sometimes those things are minor. And then sometimes those things are major. But these are the basic kinds of conflict. Now, here's what I've learned, not only in marriage, but I've pastored for over 40 uh, some years. Uh, so I, I've navigated through a lot of different relationships. There was a time when I thought a great church, a great business, a great marriage, a great partnership was without conflict. Early on, I discovered that conflict is inevitable and success is not not having conflict. Success is couples communicating often throughout the conflict. It is managing, controlling, resolving the conflict well. Now, listen at this. I believe the, the level of success in your marriage is going to be measured by how well you resolve conflict. Not when things are going great. 
It's not going to require skills, relational skills, when everything is going great, y'all. You like the same things. You enjoy uh, doing the same thing. No, that's that's not going to be the measure of your success in, in marriage. The measure of your success in marriage will be determined by how well you resolve conflict. And I found that to be true in, in churches and in business and other kinds of relationships. How well do we resolve conflict? Because conflict is inevitable. Now, I'm going to give you some principles of good communication and conflict management. And we're going to derive these principles from our text, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Now, those of you that have followed me for some time, you know I like the number seven. So I'm going to give you seven principles, tips, insights to good communication and conflict management that I'm deriving from Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Let's get started. You ready? And I, I want you to, I want you to grade your marriage, your relationship uh, with beginning at one all the way up to 10. 10 is you really resolving conflict well at a high level. If you're at one, you're really struggling. Now, if you are single and you're in a dating relationship, how well you resolve conflict will determine how ready, how prepared you are to be married. If you're not resolving conflict well in the single state, then you need to postpone, put off, not decide not to get married, but you need to put it off because you, it is a critical piece to the marriage puzzle, the marriage game. Winning is the ability to resolve conflict. And if you're not getting along as in the single state, you don't want to get married not at this time, because it is going to be magnified in the marriage state. Got it? So let's get started. The first principle of good communication and conflict management is choose to allow truth to govern the marriage. I'm speaking to you, and it will work whether you're saved or not saved, but primarily if you are a believer, if both of you are Christians, then you have to make a decision to choose to allow truth to govern your marriage. So let's talk about truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus said to his disciples, sanctify them by your truth. He was praying to God, set them apart by your truth. Your word is the truth. Now, that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying to, to the Father, praying for the disciples, praying for the church, praying for us. He said, Father, sanctify them through the truth. 
Your word is truth. Now notice what he's praying. He said, set them apart. That's what sanctify means. Set them apart from the evil in the world through your truth. Your word is the truth. So if we allow truth to govern our relationships and verse 25 says, speak truth, speak truth to one another, speak truth. If we allow truth to govern our marriage and truth is the word, if we allow the word to govern our marriage, then it will sanctify or separate us from the evil that's in the world, the relational evil that is in the world. So practically, what does allowing truth to govern your marriage look like? Well, it looks like choosing, watch this now. This is going to be very practical. Choosing, communicating over silence. Choosing communication over silence. Choosing communication over withdrawal. Normally when you have conflict, you want to shut down. Okay, and you want to get quiet and you want to say nothing. And sometimes couples can go days and weeks and not talk to each other. Whenever you have a conflict, you're going to either choose communication or silence. You're going to choose engagement or withdrawal. When you choose silence, you're not going to talk. I'm not going to talk to her. I'm not going to talk to him. Uh, get out of my face. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Now, I'm going to withdraw. I'm not going to interact. You're choosing error. You're not choosing truth because the Bible says speak, speak. Communicate. Whenever you choose communication and engagement, we're going to talk. We're going to keep talking. Then you're choosing truth. One of the things that helped my wife and I, my wife's nickname is Pete. She has a boy nickname. And just a few days, we'll be married. In fact, by the time you get this, uh, uh, this lesson, Listen, we will be married 44 years this year. This year, 44 years. We struggled early in our marriage, and one of the things that helped us to make it through those difficult days was that we kept talking. We just kept talking. Sometimes sometimes we, we didn't like what we were saying, but we kept talking. Whenever you choose communication, you're choosing truth. Whenever you choose engagement, you're choosing truth. You're not choosing truth when you get quiet and not talking to each other. Withdraw. You're choosing truth when you choose integrity over dishonesty. No lying, no deception, no cover-ups. When you lie to one another and you know you're lying, you're not choosing truth. You're not allowing truth. When you choose deception and you know you're deceiving your spouse, then you're not choosing truth. When you're covering up stuff, then you're not choosing truth. Choose humility over pride. When you choose to humble yourself and listen 
armor yourself and say I was wrong rather than pride, being stubborn, then you're choosing truth. So number one, choose to allow truth to govern the marriage. Choose to allow the word to govern the marriage. Number two, don't allow anger to grow. Don't allow anger to grow. Verse 26 says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Listen, there are times you're going to get angry. Being angry is not a sin. God gave us emotions and sometimes our feelings may get hurt or something is said we don't like, something is done that's wrong and anger is a natural response. But be angry and sin not. Now, how do we go from anger to sin when we let the sun go down upon our wrath? What does that mean? We procrastinate on engagement. We procrastinate working through the situation. Now, watch this. Unresolved anger turns to bitterness. Come on, say that. Unresolved anger turns to bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says that bitterness causes a root to spring up and it troubles the relationship, troubles people, brings trouble. So you have to be aware of the danger of unresolved anger. Be prompt to deal with the conflict. Now, what, what, don't let the sun go down may not mean you give some space because maybe you need a little space to cool off. Maybe you need a little space to process. And maybe you had a conflict situation and you said to one another, listen, I need a little space. It's been a long day. I need a little space in the morning. Tomorrow, we're going to talk through this thing. Okay, so now you've set a time when you're going to engage or maybe it's morning. You said this afternoon after work, we're going to talk about this. Nothing wrong with setting the time when the Bible says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's talking about putting it off putting off the communication. When you stop communicating, remember this, you give the other team an advantage. Remember, marriage is a team sport. So when you stop communicating in baseball, in football, in basketball, in soccer, you're giving the other team an advantage. So when a married couple stop communicating, you're giving the other team, Satan and his demon hosts, an advantage. The Bible says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither, verse 27, give place to the devil. So when you stop communicating and you know you should be talking, but you, you have put it off, you're going days, you're not talking about it, you're not trying to resolve it. Now you're allowing Satan to fill in the gap. You're giving him place. You're giving him an opportunity to talk to your mind, talk to your spouse mind, orchestrate, arrange situations. No, the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your right. Work to, to resolve that thing in a quick manner. 
because you'll give place to the devil. So number two, don't allow anger to grow. Number three, approach conflict with the mentality of a giver and not a taker. Now that's going to be different. That's going to be a different uh, insight for you. Approach the conflict. You're angry. You have a conflict situation with your spouse, with your husband, with your wife. You know you have to talk. You've heard uh, Mike said that you have to talk. Okay, so you you know you're going to talk. Now, the way you approach it, the conflict resolution is you're going to go in the conversation as a giver and not a taker. You're going to go in there as a giver, not a taker. Now, the Bible says in verse 28, we're still with Ephesians 4, 28. It says, let him that stole steal no longer, but let him rather labor with his hands so that he may have to give to him that need. He may have to give. Let him that stole steal no longer. In other words, you're not going to be just trying to get something. When you go in the conflict situation, you're not going to go in trying to get your way, get your point across, get. No, you're not going to go in there. You're going to go in there to give. Luke 6, 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Yes, the sowing, reaping principle works in conflict resolution. So you're going to go in with the mindset. Now, you disagree with her. You disagree with him. You got to talk about this. It may be a fault. It may be a weakness. It may be an unintended emotional injury, preference. It may be a sin. It may be an offense. But you're going to go in that situation with the mentality of a giver. So you're going to go in thinking, okay, how can I give something in this situation? How can I let go of something in this situation? How can I bless my partner in this situation? Now, you know, that's that's really totally opposite of how we go in, in conflict resolution. So we go in there with the idea of how can I get my spouse to come over on my side? How can I, I twist her, twist him? How can I get my way? No, no, no. You're going to do something spiritual. You're going to respond spiritually. That's what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to respond spiritually. So you're going to go in the conflict situation with the mentality of a giver. Okay, how can I give something in this situation? How can I let go of something in this situation? How can I bless my husband? How can I bless my wife in this situation? And what you're going to see is giving will release receiving. See, most people want to receive, but you go in that situation to give, and then you end up getting something. Now, listen at this. Number four, make sure that your words build and do not destroy. Make sure that your words build and do not destroy. Verse 29 said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So make sure that the words we're talking about, good communication, 
We're talking about resolving conflict. So you're going to have to make sure you got to put a guard on your mouth. You're going to have to make sure that your words are not corrupt. Now, let's look at this. If your words are going to build and not destroy, then you have to observe and be cognizant and aware of tone, time, and method. Tone, time, and method. Say that. Tone, timing, method. Say it again. Tone, timing, method. Say it one more time. Tone, timing, method. Tone has to do with how you're saying what you're saying. Because you can say the right thing and say it the wrong way. Proverbs 15.1 says that, that harsh words stir up anger, but a soft answer turns away wrath. So the tone, make sure that you drop your tone. Listen, you may need to practice before you talk. You may need to talk. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, and we get to that in a moment. Timing, is this the right place? Is this the right time? If the children around you is not the time to be trying to resolve the conflict. If it's at the end of a long day and you're both tired, then it's not the right time. If it's late at night, it's two o'clock in the morning and you're sleepy, it is not the right time. So timing, is this the right place to do it? You got family and friends over. You shouldn't be arguing in front of your family, in front of friends. You shouldn't be arguing in public. No, it's not the right place. Method. Watch this. Talk about the situation. Talk about how the situation makes you feel rather than attacking the person. You, you can deal with a situation or you can attack the individual. Like you always, you are so mean, you are so stubborn, you are so hard, you are so vindictive, you're this, you're that. Listen, you're not going to get a positive response with that. No, no, no. That's attacking the person. Now, the person may be wrong, but you are attacking them. You're trying to resolve a situation by attacking, and you're not going to resolve it by attacking. No. Tell the person how their actions made you feel. Your actions, your actions made me feel. This situation made me feel. I felt rejected. Talk about how you feel. Don't attack. Corrupt communicate. The word corrupt means rotten. It means bad. It means worthless. Let no corrupt, bad, rotten words come out of your mouth. Now, listen at me now. If you put a piece of, we spend a little more time on this one. We put rotten fruit in a basket of good fruit. One piece of rotten fruit in a basket of good fruit is going to spread throughout the whole basket, spread throughout the whole bowl because the rotten fruit is corrupt. Corrupt words will spoil the, all the rest of the words. You can have a good point, you can be right, but one corrupt word can spoil the whole conversation. Sewage, now listen at this, a sewer, S-E-W-E-R, is a conduit for carrying away waste, feces. 
You know what I mean? The discharge out of your bowels. I know I'm being very graphic. Everybody has to have a bowel movement. And when you have, oh, you get real graphic now. When you have a bowel movement, you're releasing feces, waste material out of your body. And waste material stinks. We don't want anybody around when we're releasing our bowels, when we're defecating. I know I'm being graphic, but I'm making a point. There are some words that spoil the conversation. There's some speech that stinks. It stinks up the whole conflict situation. It stinks up the whole communication. Do not let your mouth be an open sore. There are some certain words that are feces. They stink. Boo-boo. Stink. In other words, name-calling should never come out of your work mouth. You should never be calling your spouse a negative name. Ridicule, putting down your spouse should never, it's never going to resolve the conflict. Shouting is feces, it, it's bowels, it's waste. Shouting. Listen, you can be as right as you want, but the moment you bring your tone up and you start shouting, that person is going to shut down. Profanity is bowel, is sewage, is boo-boo. Profanity should never come out of the mouth of a believer. You should never curse your spouse, never speak. And if that's the language you use, you should go to your spouse and ask them forgiveness. My wife, I will be married 44 years in a few weeks, 44 years, and my wife has never heard me curse. Never. She's never heard me speak profanity. Never. My children have never heard me speak profanity. You don't have to use that. That is demon language. That is devil uh, speech. Get that out of your mouth. Come on down to the kingdom on a kingdom level. Come, pardon me, come up to a kingdom level and let's start speaking good words. Even when we disagree, you can lower your tone. You get the profanity out and just say what you feel because the moment you start cursing and shouting, that's disrespectful. So make sure your words build. Number five, ask God for more grace. And you're going to need grace to do this. Sometimes you want to just give people a peace in your mind. Sometimes you want to just curse them out. But the Bible says that your words should minister grace to those who hear. So God, give me grace. Give me grace to help to say this right. Give me grace to bring my tone down. You know I'm a loud person, but give me grace, Holy Spirit. Give me grace to say this right. Give me grace to say the right words. Ask for grace. Number six, give grace. Your words should minister grace to those who hear. Give grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is giving someone what they do not deserve. So give your spouse some grace. Give them what they don't deserve. I know they may deserve you 
tearing them down. They may deserve, they just flat out missed it. But you sit up cursing, you have gone, it, the situation has gone from them missing it to you missing it. Well, they committed adultery, and you know, they, they, they did this. You know, they committed adultery on me. They had an affair. Okay, that's not right. That's wrong. That's wrong. And you should get counsel, and you should talk to somebody that can guide you through this situation. But just because she or he committed a sin against a relationship, you now cursing, and you now want to kill him or her. You now got the knife. You now got a gun. You have The situation has magnified because he or she was wrong. Now you're wrong. So grace is forgiveness. Forgiveness is an element of grace, but you need counsel in this situation. Forgiveness and restoration is not the same thing, but that's another subject. So number six, give grace. And then finally, number seven, choose to please the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. So in closing, what pleases the Holy Spirit? What grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Anytime you start lying to your spouse, the Holy Spirit is in you, so he knows you're lying, and it grieves him. Holding a grudge. You just, I'm not going to talk to you for days. No, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Corrupt words, we talked about that grieves the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, wrath, that's explosive anger. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Uh, clamor, that's loud fussing. Clamor is loud fussing. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Quarreling grieves the Holy Spirit. You know that you can resolve conflict without quarreling, going back and forth, shouting at each other. You can resolve conflict without doing that. Evil speaking, every form of negative speech, doubt, fear, hate, prejudice, racism, division, slander. Listen, let me tell you one of them. The evil, a lot of time Christians allow evil to come out of their mouth. Some couples, whenever they have conflict, they start throwing a divorce word out. Divorce, divorce, divorce. I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to divorce you. Listen, that's not good. It may be headed that way, but talking divorce is not something a married couple should be talking about. Even when we had problems, my wife and I had problems for some years, we did not talk divorce. So get that out of your speech. What pleases the Holy Spirit? Kindness, tenderheartedness, being tender, forgiveness, Dependency, dependency on the Holy Spirit, please the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Being aware that the Holy Spirit is in you, even when you have a conflict, even when you're in the privacy of your bedroom, even when you're alone with your husband, your wife, and nobody's around, the Holy Spirit is present. It pleases him for you to be aware that he's present and you respect him in the way you handle this situation. Got it? So let's review in closing. 
seven principles to good communication and conflict management. Number one, choose to allow truth to govern the marriage. Number two, don't allow anger to grow. Number three, approach conflict resolution with a mentality of a giver and not a taker. Number four, make sure your words build and don't de- and not destroy. Number five, ask God for more grace. He'll give you the ability to be able to do the word. Number six, give your spouse grace. And then number seven, choose to please the Holy Spirit. Now, this is some good stuff. I want you to go back. I want you to listen to this. I want you to make notes. I want you to discuss it and make a plan on how you're going to deal with conflict. And I'm telling you, you can have a relationship that operates on a high level, not because you have no conflict, but because you are allowing the word to govern how you relate to each other and you're resolving conflict well. Listen, I love you. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. I'm out of time. And listen, I look forward to seeing you uh, next time. Mm-hmm.